the incomparable. Number 133, April 1st, 2013. We are back for another edition of the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And today we're going to be taking a little bit of a detour and talking about a a medium more than an actual work of art. Uh, We're going to talk about audio plays, audio dramas, audio books, whether it's an old radio serial or a... Two years and three months. Yeah, I now, now is the time to get professional is what I'm saying. My belly is my shock mount. Let's check out the scores. I'll get you through that web store. Catch me if you can, He-Man. With the adventures of Timmy Preston, Galaxy Scout, brought to you by Jumping Jupiter Hot Chocolate, the cocoa that's out of this world. When last we left Timmy, Cub Reporter Jane Witten, Scoutmaster Green, and the rest of Troop 3.14159, they were trapped in the outer reaches of the Taurus Moduli system in their ship, the Copernicus. Their engines stalled, their oxygen generator on the verge of collapse, when suddenly... Gosh, what was that, Scoutmaster Green? Well, Timmy... That was a star going supernova. It was like a big ball of light, blowing up into an even bigger ball of light. That's exactly right, Timmy. Scoutmaster, are we in any danger from the supernova? Well, Jane, I think we're safe from that for now. After all, the oxygen should go out long before the shockwave hits the ship. Jumping Jupiter! That's what I get for tagging along with you galaxy scouts. What are we going to do? Say, Timmy, I think you're onto something. What do you mean, Scoutmaster? Let's all put our heads together and think about that over some cocoa, Timmy. Who wants some jumping Jupiter hot chocolate? Me! Me! me, Oh, me! No, me, please! Oh, me, me, me! That's right, kids. Nothing like a spot of jumping Jupiter hot chocolate to focus the mind when you're in a scrape. The rich chocolate drink, fortified with vitamins and chili pepper, just like the Aztecs used to drink. Watch your IQ bounce off the charts with the Choco Vitamin Drink that's out of this world. Jumping Jupiter! Scoutmaster Green, I think I've got an idea. What is it, Timmy? We should search the ship and see if there's anything that can help us. Gosh, Timmy, that's a great idea. I wish I'd thought of that. Let's go, Scouts! What's this? Who are you? A stowaway? Ah, lassie, I'm a stowaway. Nemo McKeith. Angus McKeith. Jumping Jupiter, Mr. McKeith. What are you doing on board the Copernicus? Did you not understand that, son? I just said it, I'm a stowaway. Good to meet you, Mr. McKeith. I don't suppose you know anything about engineering? Aye, lad, you're in luck. I'm a ship's engineer. I take care of the Copernicus when she's in dry dock. Her zip drive's busted and the oxygen generator's dying, mister. Do you think you can fix it? Are you daft there, laddie? I I don't know what that means. Jumping Jupiter! What do you need to do? I need to get into the Jefty tubes and adjust the Harlan Elysian matrices between them, but the adjustments have to be done simultaneously. How many Jefty tubes are there? Five, but I'm only one man. Well, I can do one, and Andy and Bobby can each do one. Oh, oh, Scoutmaster! (laughs) Yes, Timmy, I was getting to you. But that's only four of you, not counting myself. Someone's got to be at the helm. I could do that. 
Aye, maybe a could lad, but... Let's get to work, McKeith. A woman doing mechanical work? I'll not hear of it. Oh, spare me your outdated notions of chivalry, mister. You need all the help you can get. Now just tell me which lever to pull. Just don't know. It's chivalry or certain death, McKeith. What would a galaxy scout do? Scouts? On, On my honor, honor I, will I will do my, my best, best to, to do my duty to Troop and Galaxy, to help other people at all times, to never give up in the face of certain doom, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and heartily fortified with a daily allowance of vitamins, chocolate, and chili pepper. What does that mean? It means we never give up. Miss Jane, grab a wrench and let's go. On my mark, three, two, one, and turn! Mine's lit up. Mine too. Hi, laddie, hit the gas. Do you mean the start button? It's a metaphor, Timmy. Go, go, go! You got it, Scoutmaster. Gosh, that put the zip right back in the old zip drive, Mr. McKeith. And look at that. As soon as we started moving, the oxygen generator came back to life. Aye. As we rush through the void of space, the forward motion pushes air through the vents, turning the blades and generating fresh oxygen. Are you sure? I don't know if that's exact. That's brilliant! And I have to say, Lassie, you did a fine job with that wrench. It really wasn't a wrench. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to avoid that asteroid. Jumping Jupiter, Timmy! You gave us a start there! I sure did, Scoutmaster. (laughs) (laughs) And so ends another of the exciting adventures of Timmy Preston, Galaxy Scout. Tune in again next time when we hear Timmy say... Why were you stowing away on the Copernicus, mister? I was hiding from the Deus Ex Machina Corps. They've been after me for eons. I mean, years. Deus Ex... what now? Jumping Jupiter! That's next time on Timmy Preston, Galaxy Scout. Brought to you by Jumping Jupiter Hot Chocolate, the only choco-vitamin drink guaranteed to put a bounce in your step. You're listening to the incomparable radio shows of the Finley Quality Network. Stay tuned. This is a Gotham Cigarettes news update. And now, the man with the news, Carl Phillips. Dateline, Princeton Junction, New Jersey. There have been multiple unconfirmed reports of an unearthly incandescent glow emanating from the mill building on the pond at Grover's Mill. Local girl Gladys Pierce made the initial report. She also noted that the light was accompanied by a low hum or buzzing sound. I think the aliens are back, said Pierce, resting at nearby Princeton Hospital. Authorities are exercising caution considering the date. Now the weather. There are chances of scattered weather over the greater Tri-City Metroplex, with some weather stretching into tomorrow. Highs in the mid to high temperatures cooling off when they're not. This is Carl Phillips for the Gotham Cigarettes News Roundup, reminding you to smoke them if they're Gotham. And now, Chock Full of Coffee presents... The Fog. creeps in on little cat's feet. By day, millionaire playboy Simeon St. Clair leads a life of luxury, a devil-may-care existence most could only dream of. But by night, he writes what others put wrong, 
makes just the unjust and clouds the minds of lesser men. For he is... The Fog. Tonight's episode, Sing a Song of Murder. The scene, the New York Museum of Art. The setting, the Akhenaten Room, home of the museum's priceless Egyptian collection. The reason... Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames and messieurs, I welcome you to the New York Museum of Art for our 13th annual charity gala. As president of the Second Foundation and your chairman of the board, I, Selden Harris III, declare the revels now to have begun. Welcome, y'all, to the Amenhotep Hoedown! Margo, why must you drag me to these ghastly affairs? Drag you? Simeon, you're the one with the invitation. In case you've forgotten you're on the board. Barely. I don't think I've attended a meeting in years. But you're right. I am on the board. Well, I think you've answered your own question. They just like having my name on the letterhead. And the brochures. And the St. Clair Gallery. Well, if you hate it so much, why not just stay home? Oh, Margo, one has obligations when one's a millionaire playboy. Swanning around town, seeing and being seen. It's a living, I suppose. And now I present the real reason we're all here tonight. The unveiling of the newest gem of our collection, newly arrived from Egypt, one of the earliest known glass sculptures, I give to you the God Horus! It's gone! What happened? Someone has taken the glass figure of Horus. Guards, call the police! Seal the room! Not again. Simeon, whatever do you mean? This is the third museum heist this week, and all glass sculptures. Where are you going? To see if I can help. Wait! Excuse me, sir. I need to get through there. I'm sorry. Mr. Harris told us to seal the room. I need to get some fresh air. Why are you waving your hand at me? You need to let me go past. Cut that out. Do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are, buddy. A suspect. Nah, that's millionaire playboy Simeon St. Clair. That room over there? That's his gallery. Yeah? Well, he's still a suspect. Hey, where'd he go? It's too big a figure to hide on one's person, so it's a cinch no one in the room has it on them. On the other hand, that should keep them all away from the fog. The Fog, brought to you by Chock Full of Coffee. The coffee with that extra special secret ingredient, more coffee. That's right, the mountain-rich, fresh-packed, freeze-dried beans that we harvest for Chock Full of Coffee go through a special process we like to call caffeine naturalization. This infuses every bean with the strength and purity of ten beans. Morning, dear. You all right? I've got a big day at work, but I'm beat, honey. My dogs are so tired, their dogs are tired. Oh, here, dear. Have a cup of chock full of coffee. Holy cats, honey! That's some coffee! That's not some coffee. That's all the coffee. Chock full of coffee. For that wide-awake feeling all day long. And all night, too. And now we return you to... Fog. Mm. 
Darn it, Simeon, where did you go? Hey, you there! Who goes there? I could ask the same about you. Ah, Margot Drummond, I presume. Girl Friday to that millionaire playboy St. Clair, yes? However did you know? No one can hide from... the fog. So, are you here to find the missing Horace? It would appear so. But do you know who stole it? The weed of crime is a bitter pill to swallow. What does that even mean? I really don't know. Go back to the party, Miss Drummond. You'll be much safer there. Rest assured, the fog has the missing Horace well in hand. Why are you waving your hand in my face? To the party, Miss Drummond. Be gone. Well, if you insist. Now, to the matter at hand. <clears throat> yes. Three robberies. Three glass figures. All from museums here in Midtown Manhattan. There's a pattern here. The question is, where are the missing figures? And how did the burglar get in? More to the point, how did the burglar get the Horace out tonight in the midst of a party like that? Unless... Of course! Johnny, we still gotta serve these people. They're expecting food, and now they're not even doing the hoedown thing. Come on! Hey, buddy! Watch where you going! Please forgive me, I'm... with the museum. And I just wanted to ask you a question or two. Yeah, yeah, we're getting the food ready. No, no, not about the food. I wanted to know, has there been any problem this evening? Well, that thing what got stolen's kind of a problem. Before that, out here in the staging area, were there any problems with servers or any of the other contractors? Not really. It's been pretty easy around here. Except for the ice guy. The ice guy? Yeah, a guy brought this big old ice carving. Thought it was supposed to go out there on the tables, but there were no room for it, you know? One of them right-hand, left-hand, no-one-knows-what's-what things. And what did the ice guy do then? Well, he got annoyed. But he took his thing and left. How big was this carving? About three feet or so. Had it on a cart. Wheeled it around like so. Took it down that elevator there. One last question, if you'll indulge me. What was the ice carving of? Hey, you know what? I don't know. He had a sheet over it the whole time. Thank you, my good man. You've been most helpful. Forget we ever had this conversation. Hey, get your hand out of my face. You never saw me. I was never here. Whatever you say, Chief. Basement floor. Storage, offices, sundries, and stolen glass figurines. Going up. Why, there you are, you big, beautiful Horace. You're a sight for Sora. Someone's coming. I knew you'd come back. Selden Harris. Who's there? The fog creeps in on little cat's feet. It sits on silent haunches, looking over Arbor and City, and then moves on. The fog? I should have known you'd roll in. You won't get away with this, Harris. The weed of burglary bears little spiky thorns. What does that even mean? Never mind that now. You're coming with me. I don't think so, Mr. Fogg. I can't see you, but I know where you are, and I know you won't shoot me. Not with all this valuable art all over this basement. Mr. Harris! Who are you? Miss Drummond. Get down! You won't shoot, Fogg. The gases from the chamber could harm the paint on a lost old master. Not to mention the damage any one of a number of bullets and the ricochets could inflict. You won't get away with this, Harris. Oh, but I think I will. 
You see, my sense of hearing is acute, Mr. Fogg. I can tell by the sound of your voice that you're approximately five foot ten, maybe eleven. And while neither one of us would dare to set off a firearm in here, I'll take a chance. Throw this small menhir. What is that? A miniature menhir or a long stone. Similar to the stones used to build Stonehenge. It's just a rock. But a rock of great value, priceless to the Welsh people. And again! You're running out of many years, Mr. Harris. All I need is one... No! Well, you were supposed to be over there. Oh! Quick, Miss Drummond. Help me tie him up. How did you do that? Simple ventriloquism, ma'am. In other words, I threw my voice. There we go, tied up leg. Hey, where'd he go? Margot, what are you doing? Simeon, the fog caught the thief. It was Mr. Harris all along. Of course. He had an office down here, and as president of the Second Foundation, he could come and go as he pleased from the other museums. I bet he brought the Horace figure down here disguised as an ice sculpture to get past the caterers. How do you figure that? Never mind now. It's a shame Mr. Harris broke the statue, though. Oh, is that what happened? Well, it just goes to show the old saying, People with glass horses shouldn't throw stones. The Fog, a mutual production for the Finlay Quality Network. With Dane Marmot as Simeon St. Clair, Ola Fairfield as Margot Drummond, Glenn Feldspar as Selden Harris, and Benny Lucado as caterer number one. And introducing Guards. Brought to you by Chock Full of Coffee. The coffee with the secret ingredient, more coffee. Finley Quality Network. The time is now. Tune in this Saturday for Thrills and Spills with Arms Akimbo. That's right, folks, it's the Roller Derby Match of the Week, live from the Roller Palladium in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. This week, the Bronx Bombshells battle it out with the Bayonne City Rollers. Keep it here for all the action, Jackson. Girls on Wheels, no holds barred. Roller Derby, the way it was meant to be heard. Roller Derby Match of the Week on this and most of your Finley Quality affiliates. Catch it. And now it's time for The Adventures of Everyone's Favorite Teen Sleuth, Jenny Lane, Girl Detective. Brought to you by Grantham Manor Tea Biscuits, the only biscuits you invite to high tea. Tonight, the secret of the Red Herring Murder Clue. going on here? What is the meaning of this? Ah, you shot me. Why are you shooting me? I asked you a question. Why are you shooting? Why are you hitting me over the head with that object in your hand? What are you even doing here? Oh, now with the kicking. I'm on the ground and you're kicking me. You're kicking me as consciousness slips away. And now I'm dead. I'm dead. And you've murdered me. Morning, Trudy. What's for breakfast? Morning, Jenny. I was gonna say pancakes, but judging from the radio news report just now, I'd have to say murder. Murder? 
Hello. Morning, Mr. Lane. Morning, Trudy. What's for breakfast? Murder, Pop. Now, Jenny, don't be silly. I'll just be getting that, Mr. Lane. I bet that's Sergeant Malone calling. Jenny, dear, what are you talking about? How could you possibly know that? Mr. Lane, it's Sergeant Malone calling from downtown. Really? Well, then. Mind if I turn the radio up, Trudy? Don't bother me none. ...this morning at the old chalk factory in downtown Fox Hollow. The victim, one Gerald Hopcock, was one of the owners of the factory. You're listening to the Exposition Radio News. I bet that's what Sergeant Malone is calling about. Well, Jenny, you did it again. Well, it's all over the radio, Pop. Blasted reporters. How do they know? Oh, well. Let me get my hat and we'll be on our way. As district attorney, I have no reason to be on the scene, but if I know you... Thanks, Pop. Let's go. Why, it's District Attorney Percival Lane and his daughter Jenny. Hello, Officer Murphy. What's the skinny, McNulty? Bakery across the street heard gunshots early this morning. Saw a car driving away. Called it in. They recognized the car as belonging to Mr. Hopcock. He's the stiff? Yeah. Co-owner of the factory. Found him just inside the door. Looks like he's been shot. I'll say. All right to move the body, Detective. Go ahead, Murphy. McNulty, look! What is that? It's a clue. Spot on, Jenny. He must have had some chalk in his pocket. Looks like he left us a message. Can we put the body down, sir? Yes, yes. Red. I think. It looks like red. Red like blood? Or the killer was wearing red? Or like a Russian spy. Murphy, what would a Russian spy be doing in Fox Hollow, Massachusetts? Spying? Looks like the other word is herring. Red herring. What kind of murder victim leaves a clue like that? A victim with a sense of humor? Something about this seems fishy to me. What are you doing, Jenny? Taking a picture, just in case. It may say a thousand words, but I just need these two. What could this message mean? Jenny Lane will find out after this word from our sponsor. Your team, Lord. That will do, Jervis. Wait, what have you done with my tea biscuits? Sir? Oh, Robert, don't be silly. Coral, these are not my traditional tea biscuits. What is this world coming to? Try something new. I think you'll like them. I don't like this. You haven't tried this. I say, that's a creditable biscuit. Very good, sir. Very good? They're quite splendid. What are they called, Jervis? Grantham Manor Tea Biscuits, my lord. Right, oh, Jervis, tradition be damned. Grantham Manor Tea Biscuits it is. But, my lord, what will the dowager say? She'll say they're everything they're crocked up to be. (laughs) (laughs) Grantham Manor Tea Biscuits, the only biscuit you invite to high tea. And now we return to Jenny Lane and the secret of the Red Herring Murder Clue. Jenny, honey, are you all right in there? Yes, Trudy. I'm just developing some pictures. Of course you are, honey. Don't mind me, I'll just clean in there later. Trudy, what do you think this says? Well, it's in cursive, so it's hard to say, but who wrote it? Gerald Hopcock. The murder victim? One and the same. He used his last seconds of life to leave this message. Red, red something. Herring? Maybe. It gets just a little messy at the end, but but maybe. Hello, ladies. Mr. Lane. Any word from downtown, Pop? 
Not a peep. What about suspects? Gerald Hopcock was a well-loved business owner. Who'd want to kill him? Maybe he surprised a burglar. But then wouldn't he have written burglar instead? Pop's right. For once, this red heron means something. So you are Mr. Hopcock's business partner? That's right, miss. Lane. Chalk is in our blood, Miss Lane. We both grew up in the business. And you're... Reed Harriman. Reed Harriman. Your partnership has a long history, doesn't it? Indeed, Miss Lane. Harriman Hopcock Chalk Incorporated was founded by our grandfathers over 100 years ago. We've had a monopoly on the chalk business in this part of the country for well over 80 years now. How was your relationship with Mr. Hopcock? Good, good. We rarely had disagreements, and when we did, we were always able to talk them through like adults. So you had no reason to kill Mr. Hopcock? Me kill Hopcock? Poppycock! You've been saving that. Yes, yes I have. Wordplay aside. No, Miss Lane. Gerald was like a brother to me. A brother and best friend. I can't help but notice, Mr. Harriman. I'm sorry, but what is that on your wrist? A watch, Miss Lane. No, sir, I, I mean... Oh, that? Just a slight rash, that's all. I think I might be allergic to the watch. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. Yes, anyway. I can't tell you how today's news has shaken me. But as long as you're investigating, you might want to talk with his wife, Rita. Rita Hopcock? I think she was planning to leave Gerald. I was talking with his partner. Reed? Ha! Reed wouldn't know the time of day twice a day, even if the clock were broken. What does that mean? I don't even know. So you and Gerald were happy together? We were married, kid. There were ups, there were downs, but yeah, for the most part, I'd say we were happy. Was this week one of those downs? No way, sister. We were planning to get out of town together, go away, someplace nice. So you had no reason to kill your husband? We have a good... I had a good life. Why would I want to mess that up? Forgive me for asking, ma'am, but what's your maiden name? My maiden name? Henning. Why? Police work, ma'am. Just curious. Yeah, well, if you're that curious, you might want to have a chat with their former business manager, Rodney Harrigan. Rodney Harrigan? Yeah, I had a beef with those two. Harriman and Hopka. I didn't kill nobody. That's a double negative. Ah, oh, big deal, so I don't speak so good. I thought you were their business manager. What can I say? I gotta tell them for numbers. So, this beef. Harriman thought I was skimming off the top. There were discrepancies in the ledger. Thing is, there weren't no discrepancies in my ledger. That's another double... There were no discrepancies. So what do you think was going on? I think somebody made a second ledger. Who do you think would do that? Someone who liked living the good life and didn't want no one else in the way. Someone like... You tell me, Miss Lane. You're the girl detective here. I suppose it could say Reed Harriman. Or Rita Henning. Or Rod Harrigan. Or maybe it really does say Red Herring. Water's ready. Who's having tea? Count me in. Jenny? What is it, Trudy? Tea? Oh. Yeah, I'll have some, too. Distracted, dear? Oh, I still don't understand why he would write red herring. Just watch, dear. You'll crack it in no time. What'd you say? Just watch, dear. 
You'll crack it in no time. Pop, that's it! But Jenny, what about your tea and your tea biscuits? There's no time, Trudy! You're probably wondering why I've called you all here tonight. You're gonna tell us who done it, right? Well, yes. You all know Detective McNulty and my father, District Attorney Percival Lane. Hello, everyone. Now, Detective, can you set the scene for us, please? Sure, Jenny. As you know, Gerald Hopcock was found just inside the factory doors. Shot. What you may not know was that he left a message for us. A message about his killer. What? What do you mean? Fortunately, he found a piece of chalk and scribbled two words. Red herring. But it's cursive writing and not all that clear, so it could be a name. Oh my god! This is preposterous. Here's the photographic proof. Red herring, nothing. Henning, maybe. You can't pin this on me, Reed. Why would I want to kill Gerald? Could be Rod, too. Maybe we're in it together. Oh, please. That's crazy talk, and you know it. Or it could really say red herring. (gasps) That's ridiculous. What could that possibly mean? Well, funny, you should ask, Mr. Harriman. May I see your watch? My watch? What for? Well, that's a fancy new watch, isn't it? A Gruen Curvex Coronet, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but what does that have to do with it? And the rash underneath? It's an allergic reaction to the case. Or is it? Mr. Harriman, please remove the watch. Oh, detective, this is nonsense. A child's game. Mr. Harriman, the watch. All right, fine. Ha! Just as I thought. That's no rash. It's... a fish? A tattoo of a small red herring. Yes. It's from the war. Everyone in our squadron got one. They were supposed to be tigerfish. Flying tigerfish? Exactly. Blasted Hopcock. Oh, take him away, boys. Officer. And I would have gotten away with it, too. So I was uh, right about that second ledger, wasn't I? I think so, Mr. Harrigan. Mr. Hopcock must have figured it out. Or Mr. Harriman might have just been afraid that he had. You know, Jenny, now that I look at it, I think it does say read after all. Brilliant work, Jenny. How about we head home and see if Trudy's kept that tea warm? Oh, gosh, I hope she's still got some of those wonderful tea biscuits left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jenny... This has been another adventure of Jenny Lane, Girl Detective, brought to you by Grantham Manor Tea Biscuits, the only biscuit you invite to high tea. Finley Quality Network, FQN. Dateline, Princeton Junction, New Jersey. Following up on reports of strange lights at Grover's Mill, we now have a man on the scene. Take it away, Howie Coke. Howie, are you there? Come in. There is nothing to see here. Nothing out of the ordinary. Please go about your business. Howie, is it true that you managed to get inside the mill? What can you tell us about the strange lights? There is nothing to see here. Nothing out of the ordinary. Please go about your business. Howie, are you all right? There is nothing to see here. Nothing out of the ordinary. Howie, are you still there? Sounds like we lost him. Well, that was a singular report from Howie Coke, our man on the scene in Princeton Junction. More on this story as events warrant. You're listening to the Finley Quality Network. 
A flash of light, a bolt of blue, an electric buzz filling the air, and he appears! This is another of the thrilling two-fisted tales of Tesla. Tonight's episode, Mr. Vern and the Clockwork Zeppelin. When we last left Dr. Tesla and his companion Dot, they were visiting the Art Institute of Chicago, the year 1995. So what are we doing here, Doctor? Please, Dot, call me Nicola. Sure thing, Doc. I mean, Nick. I thought we could use a rest after our adventure with the Mandroid Army. What better place than an art gallery? If you say so. Can't you feel the creative sparks, Dot? Van Gogh, Wright, Seurat, Gauguin, Picasso. The very air crackles with visions beyond... Wait a minute. Do you see that? See what? Look! Up in the sky! We're inside the gallery, Doctor. I mean, in the painting. Oh. The sower. Vincent van Gogh, what about it? That swirl. It's it's moving, and it's getting bigger. Maybe you need to sit down, Doctor. Nicola. Right. I know that Vincent painted several different sowers over the years, but I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this painting in this gallery on this wall... And I have never seen anything in the sky. Looks all right to me. It stopped swirling, yes, but it's there nonetheless. If I could just get a closer look. I'm sorry, sir. Please step back from the painting. Yes, yes. Forgive my impertinence. Doctor, you're going to get us into trouble. I just want to get a better... Sir, what are you doing to the painting? Dot, run! I don't think he followed us, Doctor. I know he didn't. As long as the artwork is safe, they'll leave us alone. Oh, I hope so. Oh, that's beautiful. What's that? Behind you. Ah, yes. If I'm not mistaken, un dimanche après-midi à l'île de la Grande Jatte. There you are, my pretty. Do I know this museum or what? So how's about in English? A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte by Georges Seurat. Possibly my favorite painting in the building, maybe the world. It's very nice. Look closely, Dot. Walk up to it. Oh, I think I'll stay back. Thank you very much. If you look at it up close, you'll see that Seurat didn't paint with broad strokes. He poked at the canvas one point at a time, creating the illusion of shape and form and color... It's quite astounding, especially for the time. Wait. What is it? Look at the sky. Oh, not again. There it is, that shape. But it's taking form, coalescing dot by dot, bit by bit. What is that? Oh, Doctor, don't get too close. Don't worry, Dot. I can see it from here. But what is it? It's in the sky over Ireland in 1888, and now over the edge of Paris in what, 1894? You're right, it is moving. Unless I miss my guess. That shape. That's an airship. But how? How is this happening? This painting must be a nexus point at this quantum temporal juncture. Um, and what does that mean? It means George Seurat is painting that airship right this second, 111 years ago. Dot, to the Tesla later.
Doctor? Nicola. Is it supposed to sound like that? No. That's more like it. Oh. Where are we going, anyway? Paris, Dot. Paris in 1884. Oh, of course we are. Just a few more minutes. Until they distance and die. Until there's nothing but sky. What in the sacre bleu? Hello. Didn't mean to startle you there. Who are you? And how did you get here? And what is this? This cabinet? Forgive the intrusion, Monsieur Seurat. I am Nikola Tesla, and this is my companion, Dot. Bonjour. <laughs> we have come to you in a vehicle of my own devising, the Tesla-lator. But never mind that. I need to see what you're painting at this very moment. I do not understand. What is a Tesla terror? Tesselator? The Tesselator. It is a machine that travels from point to point in the quantum superposition that is simultaneously every possible time and space. This was then, that is now, it will ever be thus. So, this thing, in the sky, what is it you are painting up there? Trees, sky, a cloud. In all the years I've looked at this painting... Years? I have not even finished. There's never been anything in that small little corner of sky but a lone cloud. And now, look! Sacre bleu! What is that? Is that the mont, monsieur? It stopped growing, Nick. Nicola. And yes, because he stopped painting. Mademoiselles, you and me, pal. Second bottle. Ah, she looks for me. Bonnet flapping. Yapping. Ruff! Nothing. This is not in any of my sketches. Ah. Et voilà. When did you make this sketch? Two weeks ago. And this object was in the sky? Apparemment. Do you know what it is? It is an airship of some manner, a zeppelin by the looks of it. The question is, why does it keep appearing in the skies over France? A zeppelin? You don't think... It could be German. I do think that, Dot. It could be a plot to change history and circumvent certain events of which we should not speak. Oh, what are we going to do, Nick? We're still too late. Nicola... Dot, when you travel in time, it's never too late. To the Tesla later! Will Tesla discover the secret of the mysterious airship? Stay tuned for the conclusion of Two Fisted Tales of Tesla after this word from our sponsor. Going up? Going down? Where do you need to go? Chances are you'll get there in a Melcott elevator, the name you've come to trust for all your elevator needs. Our elevators come in all sizes, small, medium, large, family size, economy, and jumbo. And don't forget our patented pocket elevator. What's a pocket elevator, you ask? Think of it as a smart dumbwaiter. At Melcott, we know life has its ups and downs. That's why we'll be here for you. Melcott Elevators. Where are we going, Nick? And why did we bring Monsieur Seurat? I'm trying to pinpoint the location of that airship based on Seurat's sketches, because... You're not going to do what I think you're going to do. What is he not going to do? We are going to land on that airship and find out what's what. And 
what happens if you miss? Then... Then we'll materialise in mid-air. And we'll start to fall. And you're not going to do that, we? Your sketches had better be spot on, monsieur. Mon Dieu! Fire the thrusters, Ned. Mais oui. Ned, do you see this? Do my eyes deceive me? Ah, yes. Good day, sir. What rough magic is this? Just a little quantum mechanism I've found. My name is Tesla, and you are not German. I am but a traveler, journeying around the world in a prescribed number of days on a whim, as it were. I bet with my comrades at the Explorers Club. But my ship merely glides through the Imperium, while yours does more. And your name, sir? Mr. Tesla, you simply must share with me the secret of this marvelous contraption. I think not, Mr. Van. Ah, so you do know who I am. Van? Jules Van? Are you kidding me? Not one whit, Dot. One question, Mr. Van. If you were on a journey around the world, wouldn't you be traveling in a southeasterly direction? What makes you think we're not? You began in the south of France. You had an eyewitness in Vincent van Gogh. And now another eyewitness, Monsieur Seurat, places you here above Paris much, much later. Damnable artists. More to the point, if you were merely a traveler, on a whim, as it were... Then why would your airship be so heavily armed, mounted weapons at every portal? Ah, Mr. Tesla, one never knows what one might encounter here on the Imperian heavens. Ned, seize the girl! Oui. On and you cretin! Dodge, no! What do you say, Rand? What's the plan? Destroying the world one country at a time? Uh, uh, only Deutschland, my dear Tesla! Only Deutschland! You can't... Get away with it, you know. You'll change history. But but whose? Mine or yours? Who's to say it won't be for the better? Thanks to my experience at the quantum superposition of time and space. I say so. Heck of a right hook there, Nick. Thanks, Dot. You and Monsieur Seurat did a fine job with his flunky. Oui. Um, Nick, there's just one thing. Yes, Dot? Who's flying the Zeppelin? Monsieur Tesla, what is this place? The Art Institute of Chicago. Is that? No. C'est incroyable. On dimanche après-midi à l'île de la Grande Jatte par Georges Seurat. Mais oui. She is... Très magnifique. Look, Dot, the clockwork zeppelin is no more. Oh, I should hope so. This is not possible. This is only a dream, no? Never mind where. When are we? 1995. Incroyable. This point you spoke of. It is as if you hop from place to place, time to time, point to point, putting it together. As, as the colors and shapes of a painting, you, you piece together the fabric of reality. We, oui? We, oui, monsieur. That's about the size of it. Nick, look. What is it, Dot? Those two figures. 
In the painting, in the distance, under the trees. I do believe that that is you, mademoiselle, and Monsieur Tesla. I think I will have added you when I get back to where I will be. <laughs> I just need to take a closer look before we go. George, no! no. Don't! Allons-y! You have been listening to the tale of Mr. Vern and the Clockwork Zeppelin. Tune in next time to hear a mysterious woman say... Why, Nikki, I'm your wife. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Plot twists, you know. That's for another of the thrilling two-fisted tales of Tesla! You're listening to the Finley Quality Network. Keep it up. And now, live and direct from the Counterpoint Ranch in Dull Center, Wyoming, Jurist Farina brings you Slim Skinner and the Cowhands of the Range. Tonight's episode, Conference of Fear. As prospectors from across the state converge on the Counterpoint Ranch for the annual Old Prospector Convention... Bushwah! Hogwash! Bushwah! Hogwash! Now what's got the two of yous riled up like polecats in a whiskey barrel? I say it's hogwash, and the heck with it! It's bushwah, by cracky, and you darn well knows it! What in tarnation are y'all talking about? What do you say when the hero's gonna go off and do something all hero-like? Balderdash! Well, I've uh, never uh, heard uh, such a thing of uh, balderdash. Well, blast my broadsides! Look! Up on the ridge! What in the name of Sam Houston is that? A fiery steed, a man in black, a lasso made of lightning. It can only mean one thing. Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Time for Defend the Indefensible. Ray Goulding reminding you to write as you get work. Bob Elliott reminding you to hang by your thumb. But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. It's to shatter the credibility of his accuser. Baby, it's great. It's been a lot of fun talking about old-timey radio and and uh, audiobooks and, and audio plays. And, and there's so much to cover here that I feel like we've just scratched the surface. We're going to have to come back to it again another time. But we are out of time for today, so... Thanks again to the panel. Thanks to all the listeners out there. And until the next edition of The Incomparable, this is Jason Snell signing off.